processed food is not food. It was created in a laboratory by people wearing white coats that are trying to find the perfect concoction of crunchiness, sweetness, and saltiness to get you to take another bite. The companies making non-food do not have the mission of feeding the world. They have a mission of increasing shareholder value. And the way that they do that is to get you to eat more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings. As always, I'm here with Ben Bergeron. Every week on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you, as always, for joining us. How the heck are you, Ben? Doing so good, Patrick. Thanks. <laughs> good. <laughs> Happy to hear that. Uh, we've got this episode, listener questions about blending sport and training, uh, lab-grown meat, and taking criticism. Our workout will be a breakdown of 10 things that humans aren't meant to do. And we'll wrap it up with a chat about some recent feedback that we've gotten. First, before we get into the warm-up, I want to let you all know about something new. If you head to chasingexcellence.email, you can get on our brand new email newsletter. We will send you a note when new episodes come out. It will also, uh, in every one of those emails that we send out, there will also be a direct link for you to ask your questions. And if you ask your questions Ooh. there, you will get to the top of the queue. Ooh. Because after six years of getting email or getting questions in my Instagram DM box, it has become exhausting. <laughs> So that's that's my that's my incentive to you folks out there. If you want to get to the top of the cool. queue, get into an episode sooner than later. Chasing excellence, uh, chasing excellence dot email will be the best way to do it. I didn't even know that there was a dot email thing. I didn't it, either. And this is the was first time I've ever heard it. Yeah, there's lots of weird like weird uh, domains yeah. that you can get, but I thought this one was appropriate. And chasingexcellence.com probably would cost us at this point like. I don't know, 10 or 20 grand to to buy. So I thought we'll start with chasingexcellence.email. Great. That's cool. Newsletter. <laughs> top of the queue. Well, let's go. All right. Let's jump into our warm-up. We start each episode with your questions about the five factors of health. Speaking of, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors are how we eat, how we move, how we think, connect, and recover. Our first question is in the move category, and it is from Xavier. He says, as a semi-professional ultimate Frisbee player, we have a two-hour game once a week and a three-hour practice twice a week. What should my training look like? I currently lift two days a week with two days completely off or with active recovery. I feel like I want or need more. If ever there was a question that would resonate to our audience, it is- That of a semi-pro ultimate Frisbee a player. A semi-pro ultimate Frisbee player. Because that's a thing. Um. There That's are cool. a Xavier. lot of really so, interesting obscure sports. Have you like I don't know if you've ever come across them, but I, I I've literally seen on YouTube professional quote unquote professional keepy uppy players. Do you know keepy uppy from Bluey? No. Nope. Do you know? Well, first of all, do you know Bluey? Oh, oh the like show? oh like keep the uh, keep the balloon, the balloon up in the air. Yeah. I have seen this. <laughs> yep. Okay. There's so professional anyway, tag. All, all to say, yeah, there's exactly there's exactly. professional drone racing, which we know yep. the founder of that. Yes. That's crazy, right? I know. It's uh, every time I see it, I it is a good check on me not taking the CrossFit games too seriously because to everybody else who's not in it, it's just like it's like world chase tag. Yep. <laughs> to them. That's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> all right, to Xavier's question. Um, all right, back to Xavier's question about how what what was the question? How much should he be training? 
Yeah, he feels so like he, he doesn't train he, enough. Yeah, he's got a, a game, a one game, a two-hour game a week, three-hour practices twice a week, and he lifts two days a week, and he has two days off for active recovery. So he's like, "What should my training look like yeah. within those parameters?" Those are long practices. Three-hour practices is kind of wild, especially. Yeah. Um, okay, so I th- like every answer to everything is going it to depends. depend exactly, <laughs> and the biggest thing that this is going to depend on is his recoverability throughout the week. And I'm going to take what he said at the end, which is like, I feel like I should be doing more or some flavor of that, he said, Um, which means that he's probably recovering very, very well. In that case, um, he's taking two days off. I don't necessarily think I would change that considering that you're playing a semi-pro sport and training a lot in season. That sounds very, very appropriate to me. Just think of like a slight taper day before and a recovery day after your event. That's where I would recommend you stick and stay. If you want to add more, I might put your, this adds for big days though, like I'm guessing that you also have a day job that you might put those lifts on the same days as your practices. In that case, you're only then um, one game day and two uh, practice days. Now you're only active three days a week. In that case, you could add an extra training day in there in between. Probably I would say focusing on sprints. Uh, sounds, I'm going to guess that you're getting plenty of endurance in that three-hour practice. Um, you're getting the lifts in. I don't think more than two days a week of lifting is going to benefit you in season. So I would do an extra additional training day focusing on some some speed stuff, meaning like plyometric, 10-meter sprints, agility, stuff like that. So the carryover principles to everyone else is it, it first depends on how much you're recovering from the training sessions. If you're in season, your performance in the sport matters first and foremost. So you need to get yourself game day ready by an active recovery day beforehand and then recover from that as quickly as possible, active recovery or total rest of the day after. And then from there, you try to play with the threshold of can I add more without taking away? And that's the whole deal. Can I add more but still be ready for game day? And then Xavier can just play with that threshold of volume intensity and recoverability. It's that three th- three-pronged approach. How much can I do? How hard can I do it while still being able to be ready on game day? And that's the the principle and there is no set one thing that is best for all. Got it. Love it. Okay, next question is in our eat category and it's from David. He says earlier this year cultivated lab-grown meat was approved for sale in the US. What's your and Ben's take on lab-grown meat? My take for the first one. So first off, what is lab grown meat? Because this is probably not a mainstream thing. It is exactly what it sounds like. They are taking the stem cells of actual, they're taking the cells of actual meat, putting it in a certain um, Petri dish, then they are growing meat in a Petri dish. Um, They're then putting it into shapes. Right now, it's early on and the best shapes that they come up with are chicken nuggets. (laughs) Eventually, they'll try to get to steaks and stuff like that. But right now, it's just like meal. It's like ground ground stuff. Um, there are potential big upsides to this, like environmentally and ethically. And if this was a safe thing, that would be pretty phenomenal. But therein lies the big unknown is what are the ramifications? What are the side effects? What are the negative health effects of this? And we don't know. So uh, I don't know. They don't know. I don't think many people know. 
if they do know, um, I don't think many people are being very loud about it. The, 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 the loudness is all about how this can be so environmentally um, eco-friendly, which is the same thing that came across when they came out with the Impossible Burger, which was like, this is going to be amazing. And when they find out like those things are terrible for you. So I'm going to reserve uh, judgment right now on whether I would recommend them or not, but I am not trying it. I, it's kind of like when a new car comes out, you shouldn't buy that car the first year. They got to work out the bugs. Like buy it the second year it's out when they go, Oh, like, yeah, we didn't realize after 6,000 uses that the window wouldn't go down anymore. Right. <laughs> like those types of things. Like just don't be the first mover on lab grown meat. <laughs> got it. I'm agree. I agree with you on that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's let it play out a little bit and let yeah. some other people experiment with it. Yeah. Cool. Um, I don't think it's like the iPhone. I don't think you have to wait in line like like the <laughs> night before to be the first one to buy like lab manufactured chicken nuggets. Yes. Okay. Good to know. All right. Last question we've got is in our think category. It's from Catherine. She says, I recently came across a phrase I'd never heard before. Don't take criticism from someone you would never go to for advice. Would love your thoughts on it. Yeah. I, I Generally, I like that in terms of the idea behind that piece of advice which is don't don't take criticism for somebody you wouldn't go to advice from is essentially like, why are you getting rattled by someone saying this thing to you when you wouldn't seek their opinion on how to be better anyway? Well, there's two sides to this, um, the question. The first is, yes, I agree with that. If you're going to get rattled by somebody saying that, put it through that filter system and go like, is this person somebody that I would want to give me advice? Do I value their opinion? But the other one that is like really poignant for our listeners is like, why are you getting rattled by it? It's a piece of advice. And that's what, that's all it is. You're like, she's saying, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. Both of those things are feedback. That's all it is. So if you take away the tonality, if you take away the words, the messaging of those two things is the same. And if you can detach yourself from the emotional response you're having from the way it was delivered or from whom it was delivered from, it's the same thing. So can we not take it and understand that we're probably putting this through our own perception and not taking enough perspective on this. Right. So don't assign judgment in either direction, right? Either the advice, yeah, the I, advice I, I talk or to the my, praise or the criticism. I talked to my uh, my team about this, my, my staff of coaches, because they're going to get feedback from the members or we're going to get anonymous feedback in a suggestion box or people are going to say, you know, give them, um, quote, criticism. And the way I say it to them is like, take away all of who it came from, take away anything um, associated with the way it was delivered and imagine it was just an anonymous note dropped in a suggestion box. That's all it is. And if you can take that, that's like a, what we're trying to do with the totality of our lives, right? Is not see things through our own programming, our own uh, perception, but see things from a higher level. 
Some cool examples of this, I don't know if you've seen this, it's really going around uh, social media right now, but there'll, there'll be a robotic word that is said. And then as it's said, you're reading the word that's saying, and you hear it. It'll be like um, gold star and you hear gold star. And the same word will happen. It will say like um, Viking ship and you hear, and you hear Viking ship because your perception of the message is different. The message is the same, but the way you are interpreting it is changed. This is the way we navigate the world. We see things through our own eyes and interpret them the way we want to interpret them. We don't see reality. So while you might be seeing something as criticism, it might be advice. And it's only your 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 perception of it. Now, people associate certain approaches with advice. Like, hey, have you ever thought about, and it comes from your role model. Whereas the other one is, um, you're doing this wrong. Like, well, take away all that stuff. It's just, what's the message? Here's a chance for you to see something that might have potentially been a blind spot. That's it. Hard to, easier said to do, uh, easier said than done. What I talk about fumbling over certain easy words to close something out. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll put some of that to practice in our cool down today because we got some criticism. Nice. There we go. Slash advice. Cool. Uh, so we'll 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 walk the talk or talk the walk, whichever. Or at we least need. at least pretend to really well on a podcast and let <laughs> it right. eat away at us for the rest of the day. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, we're gonna before that we, we're gonna jump into our workout uh, in just a moment. But first, quick word of thanks from a few of our sponsors. We're brought to you this week by Element. Are you looking to boost your energy, improve your exercise performance, and support your overall health? Look no further than Element. Head to drinkelement.com slash excellence to learn more and get your salt on. Element offers a wide range of electrolyte powders designed to replenish essential minerals and support your body's hydration needs. With their carefully formulated blend of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, Element provides the perfect balance to keep you feeling your best. Why are electrolytes so important? Well, they play a crucial role in various aspects of your health. For instance, electrolytes are essential for cellular respiration, helping convert stored energy into usable energy. They also contribute to nerve impulse transmission, which can affect your energy levels and overall cognitive function. Athletes can lose significant uh, amounts of sodium during intense workouts, and if not replenished, this can, be, this can negatively affect performance. Element offers the much-needed sodium you need to stay at the top of your game. It's not just about physical performance. Electrolytes also play a role in health, in heart health, brain health, mood regulation, immune function, and hormonal balance. Low sodium or potassium levels can have a profound effect on these areas. So ensuring you have adequate electrolyte intake is essential. So if you're ready to experience the benefits of Element electrolyte drinks for yourself, visit the website drinkelement.com excellence to explore their range of delicious flavors and find the perfect fit for your needs. And right now, Element is offering you a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Again, drink element, D-R-I-N-K, the letters L-M-N-T dot com slash excellence. A deal is only available through that link. We are also brought to you this week by One Skin. You are focused on your health, but are you focused on your skin health? If not, head to oneskin.co and use the code excellence at checkout to save yourself 15% on their skincare supplements. 
OneSkin believes in a science-led approach to skincare. They've developed products powered by the revolutionary OS01 peptide, which has been scientifically proven to target aged cells, the central source of skin aging. In fact, their groundbreaking research has shown that using their products can actually reduce the biological age of your skin by several years. And who doesn't want healthier, more youthful-looking skin? What's great about OneSkin is that their face and body system takes just two simple steps. It's an easy addition to your wellness routine that can make a big difference. Here's a special offer for you, our fine listeners. You can get 15% off OneSkin when you use the code excellence at oneskin.co. OneSkin's approach is backed by cutting-edge research, and their products have been clinically proven to improve skin health markers, diminish visible signs of aging, and even strengthen the skin barrier. They're truly creating next-level skincare. If you're ready to optimize your skin biology and age healthy, head over to oneskin.co. Use the code excellence for 15% off your order. That's oneskin.co. All right, my friend, let us jump into our workout. You posted something on social medias uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh, and it was just a list that you put together. Uh, I think the header was like, humans aren't meant to. And then you gave us 10 things that humans are not meant to do. So I thought, well, that'd be fun to kind of have a little chat on each one of these things. And so I'm going to do a quick rundown of all 10, just so folks know what's coming. And then we'll go back up to the top and spend a couple minutes on each one of these bullet points. So here, here are your 10 things humans aren't meant to do. Number one, work in offices for nine hours a day. Number two, work 50 weeks a year for two weeks of joy. Number three, sit for most of the day. Number four, be in artificial light. Number five, watch Netflix. Number six, scroll on devices. Number seven, eat food that can sit on a shelf for months. Number eight, be woken up by alarms. Number nine, be complacent. And number 10, give up their dreams. Let's go to the top. Number one, work in offices for nine hours a day. Yeah, I'd say, I think this one's probably the most self-explanatory. <laughs> like, I So me as a, uh, I'm a big fan of the, the concept of evolutionary biology, right? Which means... We aren't that far removed from our Paleolithic ancestors. We certainly live a very, very drastically different life than they did. But from a biological perspective, cognitively, like we're, uh, we're a fair amount smarter, but like from the, uh, the animalistic part of the brain, meaning like the prefrontal cortex was the decision-making part of the brain to the amygdala, which is that um, the, the the lizard part of the brain or the subconscious, the thing that the default programming, we haven't, we're not substantively different compared to the world we live in. Like the world we live in, it, it's if a caveman, if a caveman was dropped in today's world, you might be able to tell he looks a little bit different, right? Like our paleolithic answer. He might be a little bit hairier. He might have a little bit bigger of a forehead or whatever. He might have a little more of a hunched back, like whatever might, might look a little bit different. But then take the world that they live in. If he was dropped in today, he wouldn't even recognize our world. It wouldn't even be crazy. I'm trying to keep from going on this weird tangent of like, if you took a human being today and dropped them 2000 years in the future, there are people that talk about like, we would look, we would look crazy different than like way more so than way more so way more so different way more differenter much more <laughs> differentiationally <laughs> the difference I think between I think the difference it. between paleo dude to us yep. is is fractionally different than us to 2000 years from now 
because of what's happening with like bioengineering. We probably are all going to be seven and a half feet tall with uh, incredible uh, lean musculature and all have, you know, it's because you start to engineer the way that this is going. That's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. So let me pull back, but that's the tangent <laughs> I was trying to keep from going to and I couldn't help myself. Uh, so that's where this whole thing resides is we're not meant to, and then we fill in the blank of these 10 things that are happening now. So human beings are supposed to be social animals that kick it around the campfire for most of the day, then go out and do some work to make sure we uh, um, are are um, doing what we can to make sure we survive. So we got to go out and build some shelter. We got to make some friends and we got to go out and get some food. That was the totality of our existence. And the estimations are that our early hominid ancestors worked closer to 90 minutes to two hours a day. And everything outside of that was leisure and um, um, social. So what are we not supposed to do? And I'm going to, I'm going to leapfrog to all of them, but what are we not supposed to do? Like wake up, buy an alarm, drive, you know, in our car to a uh, artificially lit environment that we sit down for eight to 10 hours to then sit down and drive back to our work to then scroll on devices or click a display on a screen to then um, stay up too late past dark to then um, eat crappy foods that humans aren't designed to eat to then rinse, wash, repeat that over and over and over again for two weeks that hopefully we get to do what we want to do. That's the that's the punchline. So then we can break these things down. And that first one is the the, the work schedule. Now, am I saying that you should quit your job? I'm not saying that like, I'm not saying you shouldn't do these things. I'm saying humans aren't meant to do these things. So don't take this as like, Here's the advice to walk away from this, which is um, quit your job and go right. live in the woods and fly fish and right. that type of and stuff. It's never, not that. never be in artificial light. Right. It's not, that's right. not the idea. Yeah. This is a little <laughs> bit more playful and coy than anything else, which is, hey, just have this level of awareness that this isn't natural human existence. It is a part of our society today, but let's not just walk around. This is... Let's not just walk around unconscious to this. Let's have an awareness that this is new. This is very different. Think about the totality of human existence. Like the introduction to agricultural farming is like yesterday. It just like, it just started. And then the light bulb is like a a couple hours ago. It's like, it's just... So new. And then this weird manufactured food is like now, it just like was created yesterday. So we're not used to this stuff. And we should, we should, we should just take it for, take it with a level of awareness. And can we maybe just pull back a little bit on some of these things? Not wholesale, you know, everything gets thrown to the dumpster and I'm going to go live this obscure lifestyle in the rainforest. But can we just, start to steer back a little bit. And if available, 
maybe we don't drive towards that nine-hour workday. And this is also very different in today's work environment because it's, you know, meaning post-COVID, because it's there is more autonomy. There is more freedom of where the work happens. And there is more freedom of schedule. And everyone's given a little bit more of an entrepreneurial approach to their jobs than they did five years ago. Got it. Okay. So you just covered, at least your degree just covered working in offices and a little bit work 50 hours a week for two two weeks of joy. But there's probably more to unpack on the, under that second one, the work 50 weeks a year for two weeks of joy. Yeah. I think that's a little bit different. What I mean by that one. So the first one is your daily schedule, right? What, How much are you how much of your waking existence? So we've talked about this before. I like to break the day into three eight-hour chunks. You're going to sleep for eight hours. Now whether that's six or nine, we're close enough. You're going to work for eight hours. And now whether that's seven or 10, it's close enough. And then you have another eight hours outside of that, You know, getting ready for work, coming home and doing your thing. So what that means is take sleep out. You're left with 16 hours half of your life, half of your Monday through Friday for most of us is consumed by work. I would hope that people are finding some level of joy, some level of fulfillment, some level of excitement from that endeavor. Because if you're going there simply to fuel the two weeks that you get for vacation, that is that doesn't seem to be enough of a payoff for me. Sacrificing 50 weeks for two weeks of vacation, uh, it it seems like you got the the wool pulled over your eyes a little bit, like someone really duped you pretty well. I would hope that people um, either have more freedom because they chose to have a seasonal occupation like a teacher or a landscaper or that they're finding more fulfillment in their job on a day-to-day basis. So it doesn't feel like work for them, just the short little snippet of play. And this is why we talk a fair amount of, you know, one of the, I think that one of the, the worthy pursuits in life is to blur the line between work and play. And to me, if you can't tell the difference between when you're working and you're playing, like, I think you kind of nailed it. Right. And again, this isn't like go quit your job and, um, you know, try to become a professional piano player because you love that. It's, I think there's a little bit of maturity and tact and um, the variance of degrees that we can play to this to where you are creating more opportunities in your life to do what truly sets your heart on fire. Not just the two weeks. Because what ends up happening a lot of times for those people as well is they're they're burnt, they're burnt, they're burnt two weeks, and then they tip all the way to the other side and it's filled with toxicity and debauchery. And that's not, that's not joy either. That's like, um, that's a compensation mechanism. Number three, sit for most of the day. Hit on that a little bit with working in offices. Those two, those two things do tend to uh, travel together. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, K-Star and uh, Julie Star talked about this in their book, Built to Move, but it kind of shocked me when I saw this and they have a pass fail or they have a test essentially to um, see how, like, how much should you be sitting? And, you know, they were say basically saying like, if you sit less than I'm going to get the numbers wrong. So bear with me, but conceptually it's something like 
13 hours, you got to pay better attention. And I was like, 13 hours, who in the world could possibly sit for 13 hours? And you start to like, you start to actually think about it. And like, you get up, you shower, you brush your teeth, then you go downstairs and you sit and have breakfast. And then you gather your stuff, you go outside, you get in your car and you sit in your car. And then you walk inside your job and you sit at your desk. And then a couple of times you get up to make something to eat or take a break and get, but then you drive. It's like, oh my God, like those hours add up. And we are not meant to sit, particularly sit in chairs. You know, the the new Netflix series, one of the things that they talk about in terms of the uh, uh, the Netflix series, The Blue Zones, yeah, Live to 100 is the, I think it was the Okinawans uh, from Japan. Um, when they do sit, they sit on the floor. And sitting on the floor is a very, very different thing than sitting in a chair. Sitting on a floor actually is a is a beneficial thing. It, it is a stretch. It is not a muscle tightener. It's not a shortener. Right. So Because um, you can't really ever relax when you're sitting like cross-legged on the floor. There's no like sinking into something. You have to well, sort think of about, maintain. Like, think about the, the end ranges of motion that you're getting into. Like the sitting in a chair is not end ranges of motion. It's just for most of us, crappy posture. So you're just in, in, ingraining rounded shoulders, shortened hip flexors, um, tight, you know, um, Achilles and all the rest. When you are standing, well, now you're at a end range of motion. When you sit on the floor, you are at end range of motion. The worst place to be is ingraining this kind of like, um, you know, kyphosis of this rounding of the upper back and the tight hip flexors and that comes with sitting. So yeah, as human beings, we, there were no chairs forever. <laughs> So we roamed the fields and we sat on the ground around a campfire. Maybe we were lucky enough to, you know, create a bench between two stones, but I think that was pretty rare. You know, maybe we rolled a log over or something like that. I find a really nice bl- uh, balance every every day between, I'd say like 30 to 40% standing at my desk where I am now, 30 to 40% sitting at the little table I've got behind me. And then like whatever the the rest is, like uh, working in a squat, for lack of a better way to put it. Like for me, like having my heels elevated a little bit, I can't do it. I can't work and do it in a squat without some heel assist. But for a little bit of time, like, you know, certainly, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes tops, um, I've got a little thing that elevates my hips and I can, or elevates my my heels. And I find like that balance is works for me. I can't, I can't do sit standing all day. I mean, I could, I don't prefer it. I don't prefer sitting all day and I certainly don't want to do the squat all day, but going back and forth, you know, when I, so when I shift like, okay, I'm done editing this podcast, whatever, I'm going to go work on that. I'll shift my work position so that I'm constantly back and forth between different, uh, between different positions. That's great. That's also like, this is where the 10,000 step movement has kind of like emanated from, which is, you know, all these blue zones as well. And we talk about blue zones. It's like, well, these are the people that are living closer to our our, our historical ancestors. Like that's the reason that they're doing this so well is because their lives are not in our modern environment. They're eating cleaner foods, they're gardening, they're moving around a lot. So whether it's the 10,000 steps or their gardening seems to be one of the biggest correlates across all these, you know, um, societies that seem to, you know, live a lot longer than the rest of us. Um, but to your point, like where you can get it, you get it. And it's like whether it's moving and walking, whether it's exercise and going for a run, um, which is kind of a shortcut to like, because you can like get it all in quick. Um, but it, even if you're exercising a lot and then you go and sit a lot, that's kind of like that theory of you can't 
out-train a bad diet. Well, you can't out-train um, a sedentaryism or sitting for a long time either. And you can have to take it where you can, you know, can you, one of the things that to your point, like you do it at work, when I go to my kids' soccer games, most of the other parents bring a chair. We, we try to bring a blanket. So you're either standing up or you're sitting on the ground and I try to work on different positions, 90, 90s, um, frog, you know, stretch a leg out, um, try to get yourself into that meditation pose, which I can't even get close to, but you know, like, <laughs> you know, that, yep. the cross, like the you see lotus, that? lotus. Thank you. Yes. yes. Yep. Um, and try to use that as an opportunity to kind of like work on some, uh, some cool positions on the ground. Yeah, totally. All right. Let's move on to number four, be in artificial light. So humans aren't meant to be in artificial light. You know, when I start to explore health and the mechanisms that create health and the things that are norms for us that are detriments to our health. This is the one that I don't feel like many people are talking about that I think might be one of the bigger culprits. Your circadian rhythm is so vital. Like every cell on your body is trying desperately to figure out what time of day it is. And as I talked about, you have those 13-ish um, systems on your body, in your body. Those don't operate without a clock. Just like they, they need to know what time it is. And the way they do that is through light. It's light is the thing. And anyone who listens to Humerman knows this stuff because um, as a neuroscientist, his specialty is optical. It's like, it's eyes. So this is why he's so open to like sunlight and, you know, um, sun exposure and low solar angle early in the morning and try to get yourself to watch a sunset. Well, if the reason is because your body's systems will run better if they are in line with a the natural circadian rhythm, the, the rhythm of day, um, daytime and darkness. Well, artificial light is the enemy of that. It just... It, it, it wrecks everything. If um, if we didn't have artificial light, I'm not saying again, could remove artificial light and go by candlelight and you know turn off the electricity in your house. That's not the message. The message is awareness of this thing, so you can do your little things that can help. Um, if we did not have artificial light, most of us would be in bed. Uh, certainly by 10 p.m., if not closer to uh, an hour or two after sunset, which in the Northeast is six or seven o'clock at night, because that's what we did historically forever. We would stay awake. We'd, as it got dusk, we would light a fire for our dinner. When the fire went out, we went out and we got plenty of sleep. When the light came up, we came up and that's the natural circadian rhythm. So we, um, just like other other animals were the only ones that artificially keep ourselves awake at night. Now, other ones do because they're a predator or prey. That's when they hunt or they are hunted. But um, otherwise, or there's nocturnal animals. That's a different story completely. Um, but this is one of the things that it's just a level of awareness of, ah, maybe... Maybe this isn't the norm. Maybe this isn't the way that we are designed to operate. And maybe our biology hasn't 
caught up to this new phenomenon, which is it can be daytime at nighttime. Mm -hmm. Speaking of speaking of artificial light, watching Netflix, <laughs> same deal. Like, yeah, it's just a, um, it's what keeps us for most of us. We're not, you know, it's what it's what keeps us up and keeps us distracted um, longer than we want to be. It's kind of, this is going to be the same one. I think is the next one, like scrolling on devices. These are the same thing. It's um, someone's hacked our neurology, our, um, our, our hormonal system. It, they've come in and they're in control. Uh, it's why there's binge watching. There's why there's, um, whatever they call it, just like scroll. I don't even know what they call it. We just like, where you just scroll and scroll and scroll. It's like, and you like pop up, you know, 22 minutes later, you're like, what am I doing? I, I went on here to check that text message. And the next thing I know, like, you know, I'm watching, you know, kids falling off swing sets. It's like crazy. <laughs> um, that's what, like Katrin used to like, that's what her favorite thing was to watch was it's a, a feed called like kids getting hurt. It's like, it's like and you're a bad person. Like, <laughs> Uh, well, she's not. She's amazing. Um, <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's yep. we are not meant to do that. Now, am I saying don't do it at all? No, but like have a level of awareness that like if you're spending um, hours a day doing this, well, this is not what we're we're programmed to do. Meaning the way that we as human beings find fulfillment. And just as a thing that I probably could have put at the beginning of this. For all of the luxuries that we have in our lives, which is phenomenal. And if I was to choose to live in today versus medieval times or Paleolithic times, I'm choosing today a hundred times over. Like it's, it's way, way, way better. We've never lived in safer, cleaner, healthier um, times than this. Having said that, the research is pretty, con pretty conclusive that as all of these luxuries have come up and our happiness is going down, our fulfillment levels are going down, our loneliness is going up. So this is the reason, you know, we talked about in the beginning of the podcast to chase what truly matters, like live a life of excellence and fulfillment. Like let's not get confused over just what's available to us to what's actually going to get us to that end state we're searching for. Love that. Next one, uh, we'll skip over scroll on devices because we kind of hit on that, is uh, eat food that can sit on a shelf for months. Straightforward. Like everyone on the, everyone's listened to this knows this, but processed food is not food. I just really like, if there was a health thing, I we've talked about that. I think that the, the linchpin, the foundation, the first thing that people should do when they're pursuing a healthier lifestyle is to exercise. But if there was one thing I could get the the world to wake up to, it's that processed food is not food. It was created in a laboratory by people wearing white coats that are trying to find the perfect concoction of crunchiness, sweetness, and saltiness to get you to take another bite. That's their objective. And I would love for the world to wake up to this notion that the companies make making food, and that's making non-food, 
do not have the mission of feeding the world. They have a mission of in increasing shareholder value. And the way that they do that is to get you to eat more. And the more is not more healthy food that's going to promote you. It is food that is, you know, Socrates said, let, you know, let food be thy medicine. And the food that you eat is a messenger to your DNA. Full stop. Like it is a messenger to your DNA that tells your DNA to either do the health promoting things like improve your immune function and work with better hormonal and gut health or the opposite. It is like, that's it. You're sending messages down your esophagus to your stomach to feed the gut microbiome that then affects all those other systems, either positively or negatively. And it's, it's if we could get that message across in a binary fashion, that real food, if it grew from the earth or had a mother, will send the good messages to you those to the DNA and the gut microbiome. And if it was made by, what's a good way of saying this? If it was made by man, it's going to do bad things. If it was made by mother nature, it's going to do good things. That's it, like binary. Sickness or health. That's how simple it is. We are not designed to eat the stuff that can sit on a shelf. Was it Michael Pollan who, who said, uh, who coined the, the phrase man-made food-like substances? Edible. Is that him? Yep. Edible. It's in um, his uh, In Defense of Food. He wrote the book In Defense of Food. His first one was, I think, The Omnivore's Dilemma. Yep. His follow-up to that was In Defense of Food. And in that, he coined the term edible, man-made, food-like substances. It is not food. You can eat it. Yes. And it looks feel like food. It tastes like food. It feels like food, but it's not. All right. We won't bring back the lab-grown uh, meats conversation, but someday we'll have that. We'll bring that back. Uh, number eight, we've got uh, be be woken up by alarms. Yeah. So like the 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 health principle out of this is sleep enough, right? And it's kind of weird when you think about it. Like again, we're the we're we're a species that purposely disrupts our sleep. Like if you were an alien coming down to earth and seeing the human behavior for the first time, and there were these animals that were sleeping and AKA said another way that they're doing one of the healthiest things they can do for themselves. And then all of a sudden like, like, stop, don't do that anymore. Just stop. Like you stop that thing. That would be a very strange, weird thing to witness. So we should get the sleep that we, if we're tired, <laughs> if you're still sleeping, we're tired. Now this is different than lethargy, complacency, no passion for your life. So you just want to like stay underneath the covers and you know, you want to sleep until 1130 AM. That's not the conversation. This is the conversation of like uh, at 535 every morning, an alarm goes off and you like blurry eyed, get yourself like begrudgingly get yourself out of bed to go trudge off to these other nine that we're talking about. <laughs> this is a really morbid just like uh, depiction of, of human behavior in society right now, which I don't have. I'm very bullish no. on humanity, but yep. not in this case. <laughs> Number nine, be complacent. I just don't think this existed back in the day. 
I don't think humans had complacency because there was so much intrinsic motivation for what they did on a daily basis. And this is what you see when you start to study these blue zones again, is they have much lower levels of stress, not because they have less stress. It's because they feel like the stress they have in their lives, they have control over. So a shepherd, and the example they use is a shepherd. A shepherd still has the stress that maybe a wolf is going to come and eat their flock, that they're going to lose a stray animal, that uh, they're not going to, um, there's going to be a drought and there's going to be no, uh, whatever. that's a bad example because you can't control that one. But the idea is that the shepherd ultimately has control of his flock. Whereas what we do is, this is kind of tangential, so I'll get back to the complacent thing, but w- what we worry about is everything that's coming at us all the time. Well, that level of purpose that that shepherd feels because of his his job has so much meaning to him and his tribe and everyone else. Uh, there's not a lot of like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know if I'm going to take the sheep out today. Like it's just, it, I, I, it's not there in those societies because they feel a sense of, you know, it's called ik. Uh, ikiji, ikaiji, ikigai. 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 Thank you. That's the yep. Japanese de- definition of this is like uh, in inherent purpose in your life that you feel. And when you don't have that, the default of that is complacency. And this isn't complacency in the sense of like, you know, bust your ass, 90 hour work weeks, um, achieve, you know, um, seven figure incomes, get the Lamborghini and the yacht. It's not that. It's, um, Complacency in terms of your existence, your life. And if you are going to a job that you feel ultimately detached from because you can't tie it to your purpose in existence, to me, that's a red flag that we're not doing things the way that we are intended to do them. Yeah, I think so much of that purpose or that pursuit of purpose is connected to other people, connected to other people who rely on us, need us, who we need in return. And I think to your point, just thinking about the, you know, the the shepherd, it's not just his sheep, it's what the sheep represent. It's what the sheep do for his family or the town or the community or whatever it is. And yeah, I think it's probably really hard to be complacent when you feel like you're part of this web of people, this web of relationships and and interdependence complacency comes when we sort of put ourselves on an island and we're not sure why we're not sure what matters we're not sure if anything matters uh doesn't really matter nobody cares what i do nobody cares about the job i do i don't have anybody to share this with and so i think you're right i think complacency is a technologically uh invented uh, disease, for lack of a better way to put it. And it only comes about when we have so much abundance of this other stuff of Netflix, of, you know, chairs and all this other abundance, this technolo- technological abundance freaking that we chairs. have. Freaking chairs. And uh, <laughs> look at you guys with your chairs. <laughs> and like, yeah, you're right. Like it, it, it just, it probably didn't exist, at least not to a very large degree to, to certainly compared to today. That's where, when we talk about our five factors, that is, you know, um, if you're new to this, you might not uh, know that that's where purpose lives. 
in connection. Because we say connection to yourself, to others, and to nature, the world, whatever it is. And that connection to yourself is understanding what what truly matters to you. Yeah, I think that this is, uh, again, I think this is, uh, the words you just used, which I like, is kind of an invented thing where this is a little bit of a weird one because if I was to talk about like the the, the history of humanity, I think this is the one that has the, the greatest opportunity now actually is people feel like they can, well, I can be a famous musician because if I just create this thing, the the le- the playing field has been so leveled. It's not your, you need to know this one producer in Los Angeles that you don't have to get in his front of him and audition. It's like you, so I actually think that more people have more opportunities to chase their dreams now than ever before. In a, it's why um, entrepreneurism ship is so they're like the new rock stars now. Like everyone wants to be the next great entrepreneur where that wasn't even a thing a hundred years ago. It was, if you're an entrepreneur, you had like a, you are like a blacksmith or a cobbler. Maybe it's more than a hundred years ago. Um, so while this is uh, from a evolutionary perspective, it's not that this is less abundant. Um, I just think that human beings at any level, we operate best when we have something exciting to look forward to. That when we see that the, the, the potential future state can be better than where we are right now, we, from a hormonal perspective, that's when we fire the best. And um, when you give up on your dreams, that's the opposite of that. It's it it kind of roots back into well then now we're settling into a life of complacency. I'm Marim. That was great. Thank you very much. We're going to jump into a new shout out and a quick cool down. First, another word of thanks to a few sponsors this week. We're brought to you by Cozy Earth. Are you looking for the secret to a good night's sleep? Of course you are. Cozy Earth has got you covered. Get it, Ben? Because their sheets. Get it. I was Cozy Earth has you covered. Cozy because they got you covered. Yeah. It's very clever. Head to CozyEarth.com. That was a dad that created that. Dad jokes. (laughs) Head to CozyEarth.com and use the code excellence for 40%. That's four zero off their entire website of premium bedding. Did you know that Cozy Earth's bamboo uh, sheet set was named one of Oprah's favorite things in 2018? Of course you didn't, but now you do and you're welcome. These sheets are not only incredibly soft, but also temperature regulating, ensuring a comfortable night's sleep. Cozy Earth offers a luxurious bedding collection that will transform your sanctuary into a haven of relaxation. From pillows to sheets and blankets, indulge in the ultimate luxury and experience unparalleled comfort. What sets Cozy Earth apart is their commitment to quality and sustainability. Their bedding is responsibly sourced and made from bamboo viscose, providing peace of mind and endless comfort. No harmful chemicals are used in the manufacturing process, so you sleep with confidence. Make every night a five-star experience with Cozy Earth's premium bedding collection. Elevate your sleep and unwind in style. Head to CozyEarth.com today. Take advantage of the exclusive offer for you Use the code EXCELLENCE at checkout and you will get 40% off site-wide. So I got to interrupt here because th- these things are insane. Like well, I was talking to you before the show about these these things. Um, we have them. And when we got them, Heather was like, these are 
these sheets are the greatest things that ever happened to me. I was like, <laughs> you've been married twice and have four children. Nope. These sheets. The sheets. And the sheets I, it's hard to argue because the sheets are crazy. Like they're crazy. They're, I find them to be like, they are, they're like temperature regulating. They're so dang soft. We had nice sheets before. Someone gave them to us like for a gift or something like that. And these things are like, like levels, levels above what we had before. We are also brought to you this week by Comtrain. Yes, Comtrain, the company that you started how many years ago now? 10 years, 12 years, 15 years? What is it? it? Let's call it 10. Yeah. Okay, 10 years ago. And the one that still supplies all of your t-shirts, which, you know, I wrote that yesterday and today's the one day you don't wear a Comtrain t-shirt. I'm keeping it in there though. (laughs) Oh, that's, they're not, they're not, they don't watch this. They listen. (laughs) All right. Well, if you do watch it, you'll notice. Uh, Why are we sponsored this week by CompTrain? Because we are excited to let you know that the new CompTrain app is live and ready for you. Head to CompTrain.com to learn more, download the app, and start your full access 14-day free trial today. Ben, I would love for you to give folks two or three reasons why they should give the new CompTrain app a try. Number one, whether you are trying to get better at the sport of CrossFit or just trying to get fit at anything, we have a program for you. So this is what's very, very different about CompTrain. Now we're one week into this than it was for the the other previous 10 years. The previous other 10 years, we only did the sport of CrossFit. Now, whether you are a collegiate lacrosse player, whether you're a soccer dad trying to get really fit, whether you want to be able to jump in and be able to run a half marathon on a whim, or climb a mountain or ski, we have a place for you to train for the sport of CrossFit, but we also have this other place for you to train, which doesn't involve all the funky stuff that's involved in the sport of CrossFit, like super heavy, crazy weights and walking on your hands or all those things that you see those athletes do. High levels of fitness for anyone, this is this is the place for you. Second one is, you know, mo- most programs don't do is ask you how much time you have to train. Every day you get to choose in our app how long you train. Do you want to train for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, an hour, two hours, whatever it is. Then you can go in there and the program will adjust to fit your program. It's giving you the most impactful training session possible for the time that you have available. The app is one week old um, as of this. So uh, get in there, check it out. As Patrick said, 14 days free. Nothing to lose. Actually, there's 14 days free of the free of the full access and it's free. There is a third, you can get the training every day for free. You don't have to ever put in a credit card. You can just do it for free. All right. So if you're ready for the kind of hard physical training that you'll want to come back and do again tomorrow, search for the CompTrain 3.0 app in the app store of your choice or head to CompTrain.com today. Start your free trial and get on the path to being fitter and more challenge ready than you've ever been before. Shout out this week. We've got a note from Sam. He sent me this. I think it's a he. Sorry if not. Uh, I think it's uh, Sam on Instagram. He says this. Hi, Patrick, longtime listener of Chasing Excellence here. And I just wanted to reach out as I've noticed a new theme in a few of your recent podcasts. The theme of quote unquote, filling your own cup to be able to pour into others has surfaced in the last few pods. And I just want to say it's a message that is really hitting hard in my life right now. I'm a former college athlete, former competitive CrossFit athlete, and a father to newborn, there you go, father, uh, to newborn twins, as well as a two-year-old. I've been feeling depressed lately as the demands of life 
right now feel like I'm not doing anything well. Relationship with my wife, work, fatherhood, health, or fitness. Everything is just a, getting a fraction of my attention and energy. I'm hardly chasing excellence, let alone achieving it. But this message of filling ourselves to pour into others has lifted a weight off my shoulders. It's removed the pressure of my health and fitness goals, righted my mindset and priorities. That's great. Shout out to you, Sam. Yeah. I know what that's like. Thanks, so Sam. I'm right there with you. All right, cool down. I'm going to jam this into what we usually do, uh, which is a hopper talk, which is when we take a random question. This is not exactly it, but I'm gonna we're going to treat it as a hopper talk anyways. This is a note that Jason sent me. He's a listener. He says, I've been a follower. I've been for years and I've listened to every show. I've always enjoyed the content on performance in fitness and life. However, most recently, you've been doing a lot of content on parenting and spousal relationships to the point that I'd say it's one of the main pillars of the show. The more the show leans in that direction, the less relevant and interesting it is to me. Being 100% transparent, if I was looking for advice in those areas, I would not look to a CrossFit coach. No no disrespect to you or Ben. I hope you accept this as constructive feedback. And so I just thought, he's not wrong. We have been talking about these things a lot. Are we, are we, have we, are we going to continue to move outside of what some people consider our lane? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? So this is one of those questions that normally you and I would talk about off mic, but I thought, let's just do it live and for everybody else. So I'd love your yeah. feedback. I love your thoughts. I don't, um, so cool. And this, I can see where you were saying before, like, okay, advice versus criticism. Like, which one is this? Right. And you just take it away from, take it from its, its message. And it's like, Hey, um, should we be staying, um, quote, in our lane and just talking about uh, fitness? Well, the first part is I, I'm not sure how new this conversation is, which he's he's alluded to. Maybe it's a little bit – we've done a little bit more because you are playing much more of a role as a parent. So it's much more prevalent to the two of us. Um, but certainly we had – I mean we had uh, 10 principles of parenting – probably five or six years ago. So this is not a new conversation. If we're leaning into it more, I, I don't disagree with that. It's probably, it's, that's probably a, uh, a valid insight. In terms of um, should it be something we're talking about? I hope we are going to continue to talk about it because it's something that interests me and something that interests you. And that's what this, that's what this show is. We want to talk about the things that interest us that we believe will help chase what truly matters and live a life of excellence and fulfillment. And for us to go like parenting doesn't matter. I think that's, that'd be a big miss on our part. My guess is that, uh, was it Jason? Yeah. My guess is that Jason probably isn't a parent is my, my, my guess. Cause if I was to listen to something that, um, had no relevance to me, I would go, why are we talking about this? And if I wanted to hear about this, I would go and seek someone out about that. So if all of a sudden I was listening to someone about leadership that I really respected, and all of a sudden they started talking about um, unicycling, I would probably be like, dude, like, well, what are we doing here? We're supposed to be talking about, we're supposed to be talking about leadership and you're talking about unicycling. But this is the natural evolution of what happens during conversations and shows like this is, you know, Imagine if Joe Rogan, not to say that we're Joe Rogan, but imagine if Joe Rogan could only talk about MMA and comedy. That's what his lane is. That's where he came up in. And what you're doing is saying like, you're, you should not try to expand the conversation into things that interest you. And I think that as long as they are interesting to us, we should be talking about them, dot, dot, dot. We're not going to talk about 
unicycling necessarily, unless it can tie back to our greater message, which is the five factors of health that move us towards better vitality, longevity, and um, so on, and chase those things that truly matter. And for us as what's kind of ironic is the the um, Sam's um, comment before was like, thank you for helping me be a better dad. So, I mean, it's the thing that uh, does resonate with um, people. And because of that, I, I, we will continue to talk about it. Yeah. I think it's interesting because the first thing I thought about was, you know, we talk about connection all the time and there's really, whether you have kids or not, I think you can understand like relationships with kids or spouses or, you know, whatever, like those are the, those are the most prevalent. Those are the most powerful. Those are the ones that once you're in them, you realize how important they are and how much work they do take. And so I think, I don't, I think we have always talked about those things to a degree, but I think that as you started, I think as we've evolved and as I've had kids and as your kids have grown up, I think we're responding to what we're thinking about. We're responding to the challenges that we're facing. We're responding to the things that are exciting us and the way that we're connecting, you know, cause we, you know, we've talked about this evolution of chasing excellence times before, like we started this kind of to Jason's thing. Like I came here for like thrusters and pull-ups and trying to get faster and fitter. And yeah, that's where you and I started this thing to a large degree. But as life has gone on, we've recognized not in a bad way, but we've recognized where the thrusters and pull-ups fit in to the pursuit of the bigger thing. And it's not that those things aren't important. Like we, we just talked, we just talked about it today. We'll continue to talk about fitness and nutrition and all these things, but absence of also talking about relationships and parenting to the degree that we do, it's, it's almost antithetical to our argument of the five factors it almost goes back to what we're actually trying to say isn't the right answer, which is don't just focus on the gym. Don't just focus on the kitchen. Don't just focus on how much sleep you're getting. It's not about any individual one of those things. It's all of them collectively. It's how each of them affect positively or negatively the pursuit of the other four. And so we can't, we wouldn't be doing what we're, we're saying if we pretended or if we ignored, just because we don't want people to say like, oh, why are you guys talking about kids again or parenting again? We would be actually running counter to hopefully the, the, the sort of the big argument, the umbrella argument we've been trying to make, which is it's all of these things. It's not any one of these things. And you ignore them at your peril. You ignore them at the, 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 uh, to, to the negative detriment of your health. So well said. All right. So every once in a while, we're still going to talk about kids. So sorry, Jason. Hopefully people like it. All right, my man. That was fun. Thank you as always. As a reminder to folks out there, if you want to start getting on the brand new Chasing Excellence weekly newsletter, chasingexcellence.email is the URL to do so. It'll only take you three seconds. And again, you will get a link when we start sending these out to uh, get a question into the top or at the top of the queue. Thank you everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. Ben and I. We'll be back with another episode of Chasing Excellence next week.